Hey everyone. Um, the last few weeks, I don't know about you, they've they've really brought to light some huge issues. It was going to take something massive to push coronavirus off our headlines and out of our minds for a second. But the fact that there is still racial injustice in this country stinks. And the fact there's still racial injustice around the world stinks. And it's horrible. And there's a verse that kept coming to me, that that verse about let justice roll on like a river. You see the pictures of the protesters and they're, they stand there shouting, no justice, no peace. And they don't want to fight back. They don't want revenge. They want justice. They want two types of justice. They want the justice that that is a punishment for when something goes wrong. And they want the kind of justice that restores. No justice, no peace. And it stuck with me. And then I turned to this Amos passage and find, let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. And then it comes right off the back of a whole section saying how much God doesn't care about their church services, basically. Now, in Amos's time, it wasn't. They, they, they were just in a mess. They were worshipping other gods while still trying to worship God. And they, they were oppressing the poor and gaining wealth for themselves. And it was just wrong. And there was idolatry and you just think like, oh, they were in such a mess. But do you know what? When I examine my own heart, my own life, there are still idols that take the place where God should have. There are still things that I overlook in society that are unjust. And I feel like now in this particular moment where I'm asking myself, questions like, well, what is church really? Because we just make these videos. What is God looking for? And we find that phrase, let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never failing stream. And I started to look at those two words, righteousness and justice, and pair it with that image of a river. Because there's that river. And, you you know, rivers are incredible. I've got a TV which has this like uh, screensaver type setting, but it does these massive satellite imageries that look down upon the world and a lot of them seem to be about rivers and you've got these rivers carving their way through rock and through granite making their course flowing from the high place to the low place and it's incredible and you see around it like a lot of them have like this lush vegetation around them where the the river is bringing life to what's around it. I mean, you think about the world, the number of major cities that are pitched right on rivers because of the ability to transport things in. It's a picture that we can see where, I mean, some of them, they have this lush vegetation either side, but then as it goes further out, it's a bit more arid and there's less life. And it's just incredible that the life-giving power, the ability to flow through rock and cut it out over years and years and years, something that we think of and we build with as sort of like indestructible. The running of a river can cut it down. And it's it's a picture that I want to run with this morning. Righteousness, justice. And as it says that they're like a river.
but I've got a confession to make. I'm I'm really getting quite bored of what church is right now. I'm getting Zoom fatigue. I'm getting YouTube fatigue. I, I do you know what? Like, what even is this? Like, we we're just you're sitting in your front room watching me. And church was never about a performance, so I don't know why the instant reaction of a church that gets put in lockdown is to try and recreate as closely as possible everything that we had on a Sunday morning that, if we're honest, wasn't reaching that many people. And it baffles me, and those questions go around, like, what will church look like in the future? What should church look like online? What is church? Like, what is it? Maybe these are just questions that I have. But it gets me when you see this God saying, I don't care about this worship. If you neglect the people that are oppressed, that you don't look after the poor, that that is the barometer by which God measures worship. Not the singing of our songs. Not the words in our prayers. But justice and righteousness. So do you know what? We've had enough of these videos where we just sit down, we, we talk, we're going somewhere. Let's go for a wonder, shall we? Because this just gets a bit funny. I've got my Bible, I've got my car keys, I've got my notes. There's no special magic that happens with these. I don't know a thing off by heart. We're going out. Um, you say bye to everyone. Bye, family. I'm off. Because this is rubbish sometimes. So we're getting out and about. So. I mean, I don't really know where I'm going. I just thought I can't be bothered to watch another video, especially myself just sitting down. So we're going to go for a little drive. That's sucky. I tried to come somewhere and it's shut. So I've come up here, um, I don't think I've actually been up here since lockdown started, um, but yeah, righteousness and justice and what what those linked together mean for us as the church. We pray there's a prayer that I think you guys might know um, called the Lord's Prayer, right? And we pray it regularly, we pray it almost weekly. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And a friend of mine asked me recently, he said, what is the kingdom? They were leading a Bible study for their church on Zoom. And they asked me, what is the kingdom? They wanted to get some ideas and chat through what they'd kind of prepared. And we started talking about the kingdom just quite literally means the king's domain. Everything that the king has control of. So for us, when we submit our lives to Jesus, he becomes king of everything. King of our hearts king of our desires king of what we do and not unsimilar to the sort of world of amos some areas of our lives were inconsistent but whatever comes under the king's domain and when you look at the old testament kings you kind of get this pattern where the kingdom reflects the king if the king's good then god sees that king's heart and the nation returns to pure worship if the king's bad, they're oppressive and they're, God doesn't want to listen to their worship. There is something about the king's heart and the king. When you look at the king of the kingdom, you see what the kingdom should be like. 
So with us, when we pray thy kingdom come, we look at the life of Jesus. We see his teachings on love your neighbour as yourself. Um, Do good to the poor. Don't forget them. I mean, there's some really powerful stuff in there that says, like, if you don't do this for the least of these, just get lost. I don't want to know you. You never knew me. That's what our king says. And I want to turn to a passage in Isaiah because that's we read it at Christmas and it's a passage in Isaiah 9. I'm just going to grab my Bible. Um, Isaiah 9. And in Isaiah 9, there is this this passage. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it. And upholding it with justice and righteousness. The two go hand in hand. They seem to go hand in hand throughout the scriptures. You look at uh, Psalm 89 and it says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. So there's this picture of this, the mighty rivers of righteousness and justice coming from the throne. So when we look at the king in the kingdom, the pinnacle position of a king is seated on his throne. You getting the picture? As he's seated on his throne, the foundations of his throne we learn from Psalms is that it's righteousness and justice. That's what he has decided to build his kingdom upon. That is what he's decided to build his throne upon. And yet somehow, when it came to sort of his earthly coronation, We didn't crown him with gold and jewels. We didn't we didn't crown him with something that looked good. We crowned him with thorns that pierced his skin. We we mocked him and we spat at him and Instead of cheering him through the streets, we jeered him as he walked not into the centre of the city to take his place on the throne, but to a hill where people were crucified, to the rubbish heap outside. And instead of raising him up onto that glorious throne that he deserved, what did we do? We raised him up onto the cross, a rugged wooden cross where criminals die. And the ironic thing is, this is, we always say God can turn things together for good, for the ones that love him. And God reconciles things. And in this moment, in this amazing moment, God doesn't just pay the penalty for sin, but he establishes the throne of righteousness and justice. He uses that moment to establish righteousness and justice, because when you look at it, When Jesus died on the cross, he took our sins upon him. And when we put our faith in him and and give those sins over, we get given his righteousness. And it makes it possible to have righteousness, which means like a right standing, right relationship with God. 
that gets given to us. That's the moment of righteousness. But justice is also done in that moment because the sin, the penalty of sin is death. And that had to be paid. If there's no justice, there's no peace. If there's no justice, there's no peace. And that was the moment that God gave us peace with him. That is the moment that in the Bible that there was no no way the penalty could go unpaid. And he brought justice in that moment. So the the throne is the cross in an earthly sense. But there's also another picture of a throne. And that throne that I want to talk about is when we cast our eyes all the way to the end of scripture, to Revelation. Now I've been sitting here for a while and that gets a bit boring, so we're going to head out. Psalm 46 says there's a stream that makes glad the city of our God. There's a stream that makes glad the city of our God. And we know now that the the throne is established on righteousness and justice. So I want to cast our eyes to that final picture of the throne and of the stream of righteousness and justice. And it's in Revelation 22, the last, last bit of the Bible. And in Revelation 22, there's this beautiful passage. And it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of our city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be not on the hill outside the city. It will be in the centre of the city, in the city. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads there'll be no more night they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the lord god will give them light and they will reign forever and ever you see this picture comes to completion the righteousness and justice that are founded on his throne in the center of the city that is to come in the new creation there will be that river flowing through the city made on righteousness and justice. It comes through from the throne itself. It's a beautiful picture. Righteousness and justice matter. If there's no justice, there's no peace. That means that when the Black Lives Matter march happens, they're seeking justice. They're seeking something that's passionately on God's heart. And if we can't see that as an opportunity to to engage and understand and learn and worship, we're missing something of God's heart. When we see the oppressed there and we we do nothing, we're missing God's heart. We're not worshipping. And then we come together and we lament about the fact of buildings closed. 
yes, we want community. Yes, we want church. I'm not decrying anything that we've done. I'm just saying if we miss righteousness and justice, we miss God's heart. We miss the foundations of his kingdom and we miss what is going to flow from his throne. I drove past the SJ's food bank drop off on the way here. And there was, I think it was Penny and Jane were in there. And they were having a chat with someone in the doorway. And I love the thought that just that simple act of caring for our community is an act of justice. It's an act of worship. I know that some people work in areas which do bring about justice. That they do bring about justice and they do... That every day is worship. It says this in Proverbs 21, if, if the picture's not becoming crystal clear yet. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. There's that picture in Revelation where the the stream flows and there's the tree of life on either side. It says the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. I know at the start of of the the lockdown period, we we had a time when um, people were praying on the passage in Chronicles 7, 2 Chronicles 7.14, crying out for forgiveness and for the healing of our land. Again, it's a picture of righteousness and justice. The righteousness is the forgiveness of our sins. The justice is the healing of our land. Where there is something that is unjust, it can be corrected. It says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. There's a prayer movement at the moment that is praying at 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening on this passage, asking God to hear from heaven, to to cry out to him for the forgiveness and for the healing of our land. But as I've looked at this whole relationship between righteousness and justice, I realised that this prayer, that when we turn to God, it's not a moment where God will just zap it all from heaven. He's done... He's done the work on the cross that is the forgiveness of sins. He's done that moment already. He's, he's done that. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a beautiful stained glass window here that is a testimony to it every week when we come to every passerby that says, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But the healing of the land, I mean, there's some big things where we need God to move areas of justice reform and uh, just so many big things but I've realized that God's plan a for healing the land God's absolute number one plan a is you and me that's why he poured out the spirit that we might help people get connected with God in a right relationship righteousness and that we might help set the captive free and release the oppressed and care for the widow and the orphan and the refugee and Do you get my heart? Justice and righteousness just is, draw a line. That's the foundation that he's built his kingdom on. This is big stuff. 
So when I ask myself, like, what will church look like when it reopens if we do not have righteousness and justice? And I'm talking now two things, righteousness corporately, righteousness as a personal level of integrity, where we're crying out, say, like, Lord, we know that who can ascend the hill, Lord, is the one that has clean hands and a pure heart. We've been crying out like we've been desiring after God from the start of this year, which looks so different now. And we've come to this point and it's like, come on, we can do this. Like, righteousness and justice just seems to be screaming at me because it's screaming out in the world. And if we don't engage in it, we're missing it. I feel like God is stirring up a moment where, where we can deal with these things. Not that these horrors came from him, but there is a moment where we find Christ in the crisis. And if you're still not convinced one more thing if you're still not convinced i saw a picture um there was a young west african guy 19 years old and he sat atop where that statue of edward colston got pulled down from on top of that plinth he sat there and he prayed he prayed for his city A West African young man sitting where a West African slave trader once stood. It was a powerful moment and alongside the photo was this passage from the message Isaiah 1. Because this isn't the first time in Amos where God decries what happens. It says in Amos 1, I'm just going to sit down to read this says quit your worship charades I can't stand your trivial religious games monthly conferences weekly sabbaths special meetings 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 I can't stand one more meetings for this meetings for I hate them you've worn me out I'm sick of your religion 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 while you go right on sinning When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how loud or how long or often you pray, I won't be listening. Do you know? Do you know why? Because you've been tearing people to pieces and your hands are bloody. Go home and wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean of your evil doings so I don't have to look at it any longer. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for the homeless. Go to bat for the defenseless. So as I sit here in our beautiful... 500 whatever year old church that's empty and echoey Father God I ask you just to fill this place with your presence God we need your righteousness in our own lives and in our world stir us up to seek justice And God, those of us who are already working in those areas, those of us 
have a passion for it, Lord, refresh. Lord, we need you more than ever. Amen. God bless, guys. Love you all.